Welcome back to A Girl With Something To Say. My name is Kenya Menjivar and I am your host. This is episode 10. I can't believe we finally made it here. It feels very surreal. I am so grateful to have made it here and just grateful for all the support I've been given. Um, And today we have a different guest and she is a licensed therapist, an actress, a model, a spoken word poet, and my friend. Welcome, Miss Nora Durant. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> that was a very exciting hi. <laughs> Thank you for being on. I'm excited to have you here and just, you know, share share about and your story, share about who you are. Um, I think, I don't know, like I think everyone has a story, everyone's story is important. And I think, you know, like I always say, like this story is not gonna be for everyone, but it's gonna touch someone. And you know, you have jumped through many hurdles and, uh, you know, tapped on some closed doors, had doors open to get where you are, right? And so I yeah. kind of just just share with us like where you are now and how the heck you got there. So where am I at now? Um, I'm at a place of like prioritizing me and mm-hmm. prioritizing my dreams of just being a full-time performer. Mm. Um, I'm, it's still a work in progress for sure. I haven't necessarily quit the nine to five because I'm not there yet, (laughs) but in the name of Jesus, I will soon. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, even doing this podcast this weekend is apropos because I just came off of doing a live show since the first time since COVID, Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really exciting. And I also was hosting and interviewing um, someone for our church service today, talking about like mental health and relationships. Mm. Um, So just really refinding my voice again, refinding Mm -hmm. my passion for the arts and just committing to making mm-hmm. it a reality and not just something that I huff and puff about that I'm not doing. <laughs> yeah. And I think in in any season, any, any, especially coming out of COVID, right? It can be very hard to find um your what is it? Like your umph again. Like your, you know, what is how am I gonna get here? How am I gonna do something that I'm passionate about, right? Like how do I get from A to B? And a lot of times it's we spend so much time with like, you know, thinking about that or like, oh, we'll just never do it because it's too hard that we already counted ourselves out of it. Right. We already counted yep. like we're like, yep. we'll never get there. But I think it's admirable that you're doing this. You're like, you know what? And and it is, you're not going to be like you're not an A-level actress right now. But who says you won't, you know, and you're like, you know exactly. what? I'm going to start with, you know, taking a baby step. And that was a part of a play. Like, that's a win. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I don't know that I want to be an A-lit well, actress. I value my privacy and yes. we live in a fickle world. Uh, so I girl. will offend some people and I ain't got time for it. So You will be canceled. You will be canceled. <laughs> I am not about cancel culture. I don't need to be on your radar like that. I'm so mm-hmm. good. But having enough of a career where mm-hmm. I have I can establish some generational wealth for me mm, and my yes. fans and still maintain my fa- my privacy. That's about where I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so, you know, C to B, you know, but you know, 
You're like, exactly. I'm taking it every day as it is. And I'm following. <laughs> one day at a time. <laughs> yes, one day at a time. But obviously, like, to get where you are, you know, it takes confidence. It takes determination. It takes it takes closed doors. It takes, you know, just getting up again every day. And I think, like, where did this passion start, right? Because right now, you are a licensed therapist by day. And by night, you are an actress. <laughs> But it's like, it. how does one get like there, right? Darkwing Duck theme song. <laughs> you're like, you're like Batman. You're like Batman. <laughs> Darkwing Duck. <laughs> or, or better yet, you're like Superman. Who is it? Clark Kent? Clark Kent. Yes. Clark there Clark we go. Kent? Supergirl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Like take us on this journey because it's a process, right? It didn't just happen overnight. So, I mean, most people would probably say it starts 10 years ago. This year in July, I will have moved and transitioned from Florida to New York, um, officially my 10 year anniversary this year. Uh, um, a whole decade, but on a whole decade, it's crazy. And it doesn't even feel like I've been here for a whole decade. Uh It really still feels like it was yesterday, but it really has been a whole decade. Um, but I think it starts a couple years before that also, um, where unfortunately, um, I lost my dad to suicide Mm. and, it was that crisis of life that had me really reconsidered what I was doing and who I was doing it for. Oh, wow. You know, so really I'm Haitian American, first generation American. And everything I heard from my family was kind of like about the family, about the family image. We had to present ourselves a certain way. You did things to make your family proud, to show your family worthy in some way, shape or form. And even though like I never got pressure from my parents to necessarily go down a particular educational path, I just assumed this responsibility that whatever I did had to like be honorable for them. So, so yeah, you know, when my dad took his life and I had this kind of existential crisis for lack of a better phrase Mm -hmm. it it just was a sobering moment of like okay if I was doing this to make my parents proud and my parent just left me Mm -hmm. then what am I doing and who am I doing it for so it really made me make a profound and significant choice that I had to be living my life for me. Mm-hmm. And maybe today that just seems like commonplace. Like, of course, everybody should be. But, you know, those who have strong cultures, you know that you don't always <laughs> live your life for you. You live your life for the culture and mm-hmm. the family. Yeah. And I don't think I was fully aware of it until that moment that my choices ultimately I decided they were for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I went to school for theater and I went to school for psychology. uh, And that's what I had signed up for. And that's what I stayed with, but it made me take a moment and a step back to evaluate and really ascertain that, that it was for me because a big part of it was, okay, I got to do this because this is what's required of me. This is what I have to do to, show that my parents did a good job and my parents raised me right and my parents you know and my family name mm, so yeah. that was a huge turning point and so from that moment on like everything that i did was ultimately wanting to have this life wanting to have 
this career, wanting to do certain things. And that has always been performing has always been a part of that. Mm-hmm. And there is a part of me at one point, um, a comment that I received from an acting teacher in high school who basically told me that I could not, I could not pursue an acting career if I was going to focus on anything else. And I said, I'm a prover wrong. Yeah. I'm not going to be the starving artist mm-hmm. and I'm going to still pursue my acting and I'm going to have a paying job and have stability <laughs> mm-hmm. and not have to slave over, um, you know, waitressing and stuff like that just to make a dollar to be to make the career and mm-hmm. look people choose that path and there's nothing wrong with it I just that's just not the way I wanted to go about it um did it take longer is it taking longer heck yeah <laughs> not gonna front not gonna lie so I'm sure there's truth to what she said but at the same time I'm not upset about the role and the way that I've gone about this Mm -hmm. and the time and the journey that it's taking me because I think it's also life has evolved me into a person where I truly Mm -hmm. know like what kind of actress I would want to be and I didn't have to fall into pitfalls of randomness and just hoping to get anything like I'm very focused and I know where I want to go and I know what I want to do. I'm not just like, oh, just give me whatever. I just, I just need something. No, I really know what I want to do. And um, I think also that journey and that time allowed me to explore other things. So, you know, I fell into spoken word poetry and mm-hmm. really got into that scene throughout college and found out, found that I had a voice there. Yeah. Which I didn't really know. I mean, I wrote poetry growing up, but never really performed it, never did spoken word like that. And I had a really, you know, pretty significant kind of, I don't even want to say platform, but I was in the scene. Yeah. I was in the scene significantly. I was at two or three poetry spots, new people, um, you know, and I started. Actually, a friend of mine and I, we started a poetry CD. We actually, we got it recorded, but we never released it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, so the arts have always been there. And then when I wasn't doing that, um, at one point in my life, I was doing plus size modeling. Um, and the modeling was not really something I was super into. I kind of mm-hmm. did it to encourage a friend who was gorgeous yeah and she was like I'll do it if you do it and I was like okay <laughs> but I had fun with it and mm-hmm. I was like okay this is cool like I can get down with this I was like it's another way of my artistry and being an artist so if I wasn't doing spoken word if I wasn't acting I was modeling I was just like I just got to be doing something artistic yeah, in some way I- shape or form I love this because it's kind of like an example of you don't know if you're good at something if you don't try it, right? Like you have to try it first. And it's like spoken word. You weren't going to be like, oh, I'm amazing. Unless like you, you know, like you tried it for the first time or you you didn't know if you were going to suck. Like, you know, it's like, what am I with this? You know, and and you tried it and you were like, oh, my God, like, hey, I have a voice. I kind of like this. I'm going to keep doing it, you know, and with acting, like 
obviously you have long history there, <laughs> but it's like, yes. you tried it and you were like, okay, I like this. And this is something I want to keep doing. And it's like, it's not something you're going to be good at unless you keep doing it. And you've been consistent, you know, regardless of like the, the hiatus you had, like, you know, you're, you're being consistent. And now I think even with the years under your belt and, you know, all these life, just life, um, what am I trying to say? <laughs> These life moments, just like moments have happened, you know, hard moments and and good moments um, have brought you where you are. And and I think it's it's good to to be in a place where you know where you want to go, right? Because um, yeah. sometimes it's it's hard, like just just being like, okay, I want to get from A to Z, but what do I even do to get there? And now you're like, okay, I know the kind of person I am right now, and you know my beliefs. I'm really like solid in this, and I know how I want to get there, or who yeah. I want to be a part of that journey, and what I what I want to do. And I think that's 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 great for you. I think this is this is a good starting point for like resuming where you want to go, and even if it's taking maybe longer than other people, but your journey is your own. One hundred percent. So, like, fast forward a little bit to the 10 years ago. Uh (laughs) So I always wanted to move to New York as Mm -hmm. a theater baby. I was like, I got to live at least one year Mm -hmm. of my life in New York. (laughs) That's just like, how do you not live where Broadway is? Yeah. (laughs) You're into the theater, right? Like, you just can't not. So I had definitely been for a visit one or two times. Love New York, love the vibe, and was just like, I'm going to move there. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Um, so 2013 rolls around. Mm-hmm. I'm done with my master's. I've been working in social work for a while, for at least five or six years at that point. And I decided to transition jobs. And this job gave me like all those promises, like those jobs yeah. do that all fell short. It's like, oh, you get a flexible schedule. Ugh. You can make your own schedule, like all of this stuff. You can work from home sometimes, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And none of it was really true. So mm. I was essentially miserable there. Yeah. In addition to that, I had operative word being had a condition called rheumatoid arthritis. And so a big component of me moving to New York was I needed a perfect transition. I Mm. needed the job with the health insurance because I needed my medication for my rheumatoid arthritis because the meds were like five grand a shot. Oh, my God. So, yeah, (laughs) there's no way I could afford that on my own. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right. And even like when I first got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, my insurance didn't even cover the meds to the point I had to enter into a clinical trial to get medication. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. I didn't know. I didn't know this. (laughs) Yeah. So I went, I was in a clinical trial for three years. It was open label, which means I knew I was getting the drug, but that drug itself never fully subsided my symptoms. So I just lived with like some days feeling good and some days not, but I was getting this medication for free. Mm-hmm. So, um, so 2013, I get a new job. I start that job and it just doesn't even start off. Right. The first week I'm there, there's this like mandatory, everybody must attend all staff meeting for the agency, like the CEOs there, everything like that. 
Mm-hmm. I wake up with an excruciating flare up in my back. And I've never had a flare up in my back before. So that was it's like an indicator. Itself, <laughs> right. That in and of itself was like, warning, warning, warning. This is going to go bad. Oh, stop. Do not proceed. Uh-huh. So I go to work in excruciating pain. They see that I'm in pain and they're like, what's wrong? I was like, um, I think I'm having a flare up in my back. And they're like, um, maybe you should go home. I was like, but you said this is mandatory. It's my very first week. <laughs> like, how do I call mm-hmm. out? Yeah. And like, go home. So they send me home. I'm out for like a day and a half, almost two days. Uh-huh. Then later on in that week, I had to call out again and had to cancel on a client. And I think that was a problem because it was it was all about hours. It was some grant and you had to like make a certain amount of hours each week for the grant to build the grant, all this stuff. And then I'm also dealing with court ordered people to therapy so yeah. these individuals don't always show up don't always answer the door so this quote-unquote flexible schedule was flexible to the extent that you made your hours so if someone canceled you had to rework your schedule and your life to fit them in for the oh, week's bill. No. yeah i was like okay this mm. isn't really the kind of flexible <laughs> i was talking about yeah you guys want to be more clear about that in your uh, delivery. They were like, we weren't like <laughs> <laughs> your interpretation. Exact, right? <laughs> so in Florida, it's an at-will state, which means within the first 90-day period, either party can split ways with no cause. Mm-hmm. No reason. You could just you can leave and it basically doesn't have a negative inference on you or the employer. So I already was not loving the job or the vibe and so I started to put feelers out for other jobs Mm -hmm. and there was one Friday I get a call from my supervisor mind you it's been about a month and a half maybe that I'm there have supervision every week nobody's told me that there's been a problem no reprimand the only drama I had was like one mom thought I was like flirting with the daddy and I was like you you just don't show up I was you like, you don't show up to the appointment, so I'm standing outside talking to him while we wait for you to show up to your house because you're not with the baby daddy in the first place. So, <laughs> no, I'm not flirting with him. I'm making conversation with my client's father because mama doesn't know how to show up on time. So she complained about that. But outside of that, I didn't have any other issues, at least none that I was aware of because nobody was telling me anything. And that Friday my boss calls and I call her back and she's like, um, so what's your schedule on Monday? I was like, Oh, I'm waiting to like confirm one appointment or whatever. She's like, okay, like don't schedule anything for Monday. And something just told me I was getting fired. I knew it. I knew it deep down in my spirit. I started calling like all my colleagues, former bosses that I was good with. And I was just like, I'm getting fired. What? And they're like, no, not you, Nora. That, oh, no, you're not. You're such a, you know, all the fluff, you know, all the accolades people give you and build you up. And look, I know I'm a good worker. I know I'm a strong worker. So I know like the words they were saying were fluff, but I was like, but no, I'm really getting fired. Like, I know this. I feel it in my bones. Like something like, I just know it's happening. 
So show up to work on Monday. Monday's like this case review day. Everybody's in the office. Everybody's reviewing cases. And every Monday is when you're supposed to sign up for your supervision. So the whole morning goes through and nothing. So I said, okay, maybe I'm not getting fired. Like, it's practically almost the end of the day. As and they were trying to get day, one more day. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what it was, Kenya. Mm. As soon as I got up after lunch to go write my name on that damn supervision board, I saw my boss's boss walk into our space and they called me into their office. And they let me go. And I asked them straight out. I was like, can you tell me why? And they're like, we're just going to say it's not a good fit at this time. Okay. So you never got like an answer? <clears throat> nope. Wow. So, and that's even what they wrote on the official form that I had to sign. So, okay. So also in all of this, right, I'm a registered intern for a licensed mental health counselor. That's what they call it in Florida. So I completed my master's degree. I graduated. I now collecting my hours to become licensed. So I have to be under supervision. So I have a supervisor. So even though I got let go, I continue to see my supervisor. So I'm talking with her and we have like this conversation. I, like, I don't get why I got fired. Like you don't understand it. Like let's go through the things, the things that I think are potentially problems and all this. And she was like, Nora, you know exactly why you got fired. I was like, I do. She's like, yeah, because they didn't think you were going to make your hours because of your illness. And so this is the only way that they could get away with firing you before the 90 days. Uh-huh. Because they can't fire you for having rheumatoid arthritis. So they had to let you go now. Oh, my God. Isn't that like they illegal? Was... <laughs> like to fire I mean, but I have no proof, right? Yeah. They never said anything to me. They never wrote me up for it. So if that was their out they had 90 days to make that out. And I was about to hit, I think I was about to be two months in. So if they wanted to get away with it, that was the time to do it. Wow. So sure enough, they let me go. I go home boohoo crying because I just never been fired before. And that yeah. was the most horrible experience in the world. Even though I didn't know I didn't do anything wrong. Technically it just, it cuts at you. And sadly, like to this day, I always have to tell people when I go for a new job, I was like, I was let go from a job because they ask you, have you ever been fired before? And I have. And I have to say that for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's so. But do like, you have to say it or is it more like integrity or do they actually look? No, like I, you have to say it. Like I don't put it on my resume, but yeah. when you're offered a position. I then have to disclose. Mm -hmm. And so, cause they'll, I've, and the past two jobs I've had have been government jobs. So mm -hmm. like one of them was like, do you have a number? We'd like to call them. <laughs> I was like, oh Jesus. <laughs> I was like, all mm -hmm. right. But so I, I know things happen for a reason. So. And it did. Yeah. And it did. So fast forward. Um, now I have about three months. I'm on unemployment, which they try to fight the unemployment and try to not have to pay it, but I got it anyway. Um, <laughs> I was like, I have a letter that says that I did nothing wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> you better give me my unemployment. But big thing with that, right? So now, and for some reason, I can't even really remember why I had moved back into my mom's home my mom's house as well. So I wasn't have I didn't have rent anymore. Um I had a roof over my head. 
I'm getting unemployment, but what happens when you lose your job? You lose your health insurance, which means I had to figure out a way to get my meds. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to my doctor's office, explained the situation. And there was this foundation called Abdi Foundation that could potentially pay for the medication. I applied to it and they paid for my meds free and clear costed me zero dollars so now i'm in a situation that i'm like okay i said i need i had to have a job because i needed my medication to be able to move but i don't have a job and i have my medication so what's the excuse now yeah so at that point i was also doing unemployment i was like i don't know if i have to be applying for jobs in florida since i'm receiving florida unemployment or i Mm -hmm. can be a job applying for jobs elsewhere and then then there was this like internal conundrum right yeah i have unemployment and i'm applying for jobs and i'm getting interviews how do i not take a job because i want to move to new york right Mm -hmm. so (laughs) there was a couple of interviews that i sabotaged on purpose because it was like i can't not i can't get offered a job knowing that i don't really want to be here (laughs) Yeah. So I, when I made the ultimate decision that I wanted to move to New York, um, and I found out that I could, it didn't matter where I applied for the job, it just had to be applying for jobs to keep collecting the unemployment. I went in 100 into figuring out work in New York. Um, what was, I guess, the time frame between getting fired and finally acquiring a job and moving to New York? So the job did not come prior to me moving to New York. So we will have got- a test of faith. <laughs> yes. That was me, girl. So, I feel you. <laughs> I got fired February, I believe it was. Uh-huh. Um, also, my sister's pregnant with my first niece at this time. Oh my god, well. we're the same person. <laughs> my, my sister was <laughs> pregnant with my nephew, <laughs> and I still left. So, <laughs> exactly. My I literally left ten days after my niece was born. She was born July twelfth. <laughs> I left July twenty second. <laughs> Put yourself first. <laughs> and amen. And I got I got a little you know side side eyed for it, but I whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so February, I get fired. And then somewhere between February, March, I make the 100% decision that I want to make this move. I reach out to my best friend's best friend um, who is from New York and lives here. I was like, hey, you know, I know you got like community out there in your church. Is there anyone who like could rent me a room or something of that nature? And she's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll look out. I'll let you know, whatever. So I'm applying, applying, applying for stuff. Of course, not a lot of people come and call me back because it's a Florida address on my resume. I don't have a New York address to use. So I'm not getting tons of responses. If I do, it's kind of like, all right, well, let us know when you're here. <laughs> I'm like, great. I don't know what I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think it was maybe May, April or May, one of my mom's friends has a work conference and it's in New York. And she's like, Hey, I know you're trying to move there. If you get your plane ticket, you can stay in my hotel with me for the week and you can kind of just go and hit the ground and try and figure things out. I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, bet. (laughs) Get in the plane ticket with the next unemployment check. 
<laughs> here we go. <laughs> so I come to New York. I'm here. I'm like posting, of course. And I went to a, a employment agency. I went to DSW, like just anything and everything I apply. And actually DSW, the lady was like, let me know when you're here. I totally want to hire you. I was like, all right, cool. I got a job lined up when I get there. Great. Did this employment agency. They seemed to like me a lot. They were like, all right, we'll start, you know, letting you know whatever we have. Went to some job interview. Now I look at it was shady as hell. I went all the way to White Plains. So oh, no, you, not Long Island. Yeah. No, that's not even Long Island, girl. White Plains is upstate. Oh, it's upstate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, of course, as a brand new New Yorker, not even really a New Yorker yet, just a visitor, I'm putting in my phone how to get to White Plains. And it's telling me I need to take the train. The train and the subway to someone who's not from here are the same thing. Uh-huh, girl, that was me for so the longest time. I'm on the subway trying to get to White Plains. And I believe I ended up in a subway stop in Harlem somewhere. And I asked <laughs> the lady at the booth, I was like, I'm trying to get to White Plains. Like, this is, she's like, honey, you need to be like on the train train. <laughs> like, you need oh, to go to shoot. Penn Station. Oh, <laughs> I was crap. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Luckily, I'm that person. When you were I headed to the Bronx. I'm, <laughs> I'm that person when I don't know where I'm going. I give myself tons of time. So I have ah, okay, like hours before I had to be at this interview. Mm-hmm. So I finally make it there. And like I said, it was shady as all day. It was just, <laughs> it, it was like one of those scams. Like I could have been human trafficked. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> It, w- it was borderlining that kind of shadiness. So I was just like, mm, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So leave that, come back. And so the friend that I had reached out to, she she's like, oh my gosh, congrats, you're here. And I was like, oh no, I'm not here. I'm just here visiting. I'm still trying to figure things out. And she's like, oh, okay. She's like, well, like, what are you trying to figure out? I was like, well, I still need a roof over my head to get here. Mm-hmm. She's like, how long are you looking for? So when someone's asking that question, right, you don't want to be like, for forever. <laughs> I'm trying to think about like a roundabout number, like how long realistically would it take me to find something? Like, don't want to shortchange myself either where I'm like out on my butt in a week and have mm-hmm. nowhere to be. So I was like, um, like, three weeks a month oh my god yeah so she's like okay let me let me get back to you let me let me put some fillers out or whatever and i tell you i looked at the room situation like the week to week stuff Uh all of those things were mad shady Mm. so shady and i'm glad i never landed in one because i've heard some stories and i never landed in it but i legit was ready to do it i was i was going to be in one of the desperation i feel that yes I was going to be in one of those situations and I probably would have been crying my eyes out, but God (laughs) saved me and I'd never have to do that. But Mm -hmm. so she calls me back. I don't even remember if it was the same day or another day, but she's like, um, oh, so when she was asking me the question, she was like, oh, well, my husband, his mom, his parents have a house in Queens. They have like an attic apartment. Maybe you can rent that. Let me find out. So she gets back with me and she's like, so my husband was like, you could stay with us. 
Like he didn't want, he didn't, he was like, no, she shouldn't stay with the parents. She should stay with us. The man has never met me. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> never, never met me, never spoken to me. And he was like, you should stay with us in our one bedroom apartment in New York. And they're newlyweds six months into marriage. <laughs> okay. Um, and I said, yes, <laughs> I took them up on it. Um, so get back to Florida and the decisions made. And yeah. I think I made the conscious choice to wait till after my sister had my niece to move. Uh-huh. <laughs> so <laughs> July 22nd was the day and yeah. I bought my one way ticket and I just started packing and downsizing and throwing away things I didn't need and just spending that time getting ready to make my move. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> of course, the parts I didn't tell are just like the shade that you get from people, right? Mm. The commentary that happened. I remember I had one friend. It was, again, it was probably like May or June. And she was inviting me to a party in October. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I might not be here. I might be moving to New York. She's like, girl, how many times have you said that? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) that was me, girl. When I, well, I remember when I like a fit, cause that's kind of similar as you, I made decision in February and then I had 10 weeks. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm moving in 10 weeks. And then I told my grandma and she was like, what are you talking about? Your sister's literally having a baby in August. Like, how are you going to do this? Like, you don't want to be here. Like, how are you not going to be around when he's here? Like, I'm like, first of all, that's not my kid. <laughs> first of all, mm-hmm. I do not right. have a kid. And I'm like, I didn't ask you to have the baby. Yeah, girl, I'm like, (laughs) if I don't do it now, if I don't do it now, then I'm going to have to wait for everyone. And what if, like, there's going to be minor, minor inconveniences all the time, you know? And I'm like, I'm going to come see my nephew, but I got to do this for me. So I definitely hear you there. I definitely understand the shady comments, but you know what? (laughs) Obviously, you've been here for 10 years. So, yeah. And it was real, but then there were the people who were really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, my uncle was one of those, and he was like, he called me Lynn, and he was like, Lynn, I know that anything you say you're going to do, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And you put thought into it, and I got no doubts about it. So, you know, there were a few people who were really encouraging and really were just like, go for it 100%. And at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Let's say I did move and it didn't work out. I still had a home to come back to. Mm-hmm. I still had my family. Yeah. But I would never know if I didn't just get up and do it. Yeah. The worst case scenario would be like, oh, it didn't work out for me. So I came back. Yeah. And I that's always, that. I always said that. I always said, mom, I was like, if this doesn't work out, the worst thing that I will do is move back home. And, you know, like that's I'm OK with that if it doesn't work yeah. out. But at least I tried. And so I moved to New York with $5,000 in my bank account and my unemployment check. And I think I brought two suitcases with me and that was it. And I got off the plane and I met up with Lorena and Irv, who I met Irv for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) They picked me up from the airport. And Lorena, I hadn't seen in a while, but I I knew her. She went to college with us. But like I said, she was more my best friends, like really, you know, her best friend. And we we had relationship, but nothing like her and my best friend. So we built a bond and they became my family and they still are my family. 
um, <clears throat> they put a roof over my head and they helped me navigate this world. So as soon as they gave me the okay to move in, I was like, can I use your address? <laughs> so I used their address and I reapplied to a bunch of things and I actually got calls for interviews. I think I had like three interviews scheduled for the week that I moved here. Oh, wow. But nothing actualized until three months, almost, no, July, I think September, about almost two months into me being here. No job actually panned out. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it was crazy. So I'm on mm -hmm. the train, going places, figuring it out, applying for jobs. And the job that I had, one of the job interviews that I had the first week here, it, I didn't get hired <laughs> until two months later. And that's the first job I had um, when I moved to New York. I went on, I did like MetLife. I actually went through, I took a civil service exam for the 911 operator. I went through the whole physical. I went through the whole psych exam. I was at the point of being like background investigated by a detective. <laughs> Oh my god! I was about to be a nine one one operator. I was like, I just need a job, you know, <laughs> like anything and everything. And so that job called me, and um, so I'm all this time I'm with Lorraine and Irv. I, I actually was ready to leave in that three week period that mm -hmm. they gave me, and so connected with another friend of a friend who I didn't really know went to she lived in the well I went so two two scenarios actually so I went to go see uh, an apartment in the Bronx with this girl who was a friend mm -hmm. of friends so my friend that I kind of did the modeling with mm -hmm. she actually moved out to New York for modeling like she oh, wow. got picked up by an agency and everything and she had moved here a couple years before me and so Reached out to her when I got here. One of her modeling friends was looking for a roommate. We went up to the Bronx to try and see something. It didn't pan out. I think Jesus. Um, <laughs> she's not going <laughs> to be living in the Bronx. <laughs> Thank yeah. You. That That's a commute. That's a commute. Girl. And then, so then, the up, there was another girl um, that was a friend of a friend. She had um, a chronic disability she was, and she was willing to have me come into her home. And so the week that I'm like kind of packing up to leave arenas and ergs, they're like, they're like, do you like know this girl? I was like, no. They're like, wait, <laughs> we thought you knew her. Like, we're not going to kick you out if you're going to some strangers. Home. Yeah. <laughs> but they let me stay. Um, they continue to let me stay. So again, I'm back on my grind, trying to find a place for myself trying to get this job situation going. So I'm mm -hmm. doing the 911 operator thing, pretty much feeling like that's going to pan out for me. And um, again, going back to looking at those roommate situations, I literally had gone to one and they're like, <clears throat> they're like, you got like, if you're ready, you got to give us the money and then you take it because it'll go fast. Oh my God. So it's like, literally that weekend, I was about to go into one of these situations and I see a friend of mine from college on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And it says that he's here in New York. Mm -hmm. So I reach out to him. I was like, yo, hey, Cliffy, like, I'm here too. Like, what's up? Let's link up. Yeah. We link up. And lo and behold, 
him and his sister rent a house and they've been looking for a third roommate. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yep. So meet up with him. I see the house. It's an, in Bayside, Queens. Freaking three level house, washer and dryer. And, you know, coming from non-New York places like washer and dryer in the place. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Jesus, yes. Mm-hmm. yes a luxury. Like, yes. A luxury. <laughs> so um, meet his sister. We all vibe. We all get it. They're like, yeah, we've been apprehensive because we want someone who kind of understands. Like, they're Caribbean as well. So I move in. The weekend I move in and they're willing to work with me until I get a job with what I can afford to pay in rent. Oh, wow. That, That's that. Listen, that is not <laughs> everywhere. No, it's not. So literally the weekend I'm moving into them, I get the phone call from the job that I had the very first week I moved to New York saying that they want to hire me. Within all that, um, I, I reconnected with God. I'm like going to church. I I'm in, you know, like I'm there religiously. Mm-hmm. And so when they offer me the job, it's weekends and I would have to oh. be there Sundays. And so I was like, okay, I need the job. So I'm taking it. But I was like, man, I guess I'll just have to go to like Wednesday night, just prayer meeting or whatnot. Uh-huh. And I was like, Lord, like, you know, I've been going to church. Like, I don't want to stop. But like, mm-hmm. if this is if this is from you, like, I understand. When I tell you, Kenya, <laughs> that Saturday they call me and say, "Hey, we're gonna change your schedule around to Monday to Friday. Don't show up tomorrow. Come in." Oh, on wow, wow, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> right? Completely God ordained. Um. So it's all the way in Far Rockaway. So anyone who actually knows New York. (laughs) That's a travel. I'm coming from Bayside, Queens. So for my Floridians, (laughs) think about living in Pompano and driving down to Miami Beach every day. But instead of driving, you have to take two buses and a train. (laughs) So that was my commute. I had enough two and a half hour to three hour commute back and forth every day from work i earned my doggone dues girl <laughs> i earned my new yorker dues <laughs> and when the first flurry came down and i was standing outside on this on the street waiting for the bus and my tickets was freezing i called my mother my and tuchus. was like hey you what <laughs> i was like you want to come visit me for thanksgiving and bring my car up because this is for the birds <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was wondering like when you were get, like i was like you have a car how did this car get here if you blew? Yeah, so the car got here because november was brick as all day <laughs> and that winter so 2013 winter was one of the worst winters it's the worst winter I've had since I moved to New York. And you wanted to and drive was, in that? <laughs> I didn't know how bad it was going to be yet. Mm. It hadn't started. It was November. It was just freezing already. And I was like standing here and flurries. I didn't necessarily want to drive. I didn't know what I was in for, but I was just like, I'm not doing this on the train every day. This is insanity to have to stand here in the middle, on the middle of the road, waiting for a bus to transfer to another bus to get on the A train to go out to Far Rockaway. And mm-hmm. when I would come back on the train to the bus station, 
the first bus station on my way back, my bus sometimes wouldn't show until an hour past the time it was supposed to actually get there. So I would sit there waiting in the freezing cold for an hour for the stupid bus. I was like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) I'm so good on this. So my mom brought my car up that November. And then I started driving to Far Rockaway. And I was like, yeah, that's that. Um, But yeah, I had my lessons with um, the snow and parking. Don't park on the street. You think it's going to get plowed. They just plow the snow onto your car. Don't park on the street. And, you know, maybe this is why my car got totaled. So I wouldn't have to ever do that. It was so bad. I'm thinking, I was like, oh, you know, let me put it on the side of the road because they plow the main street so my car will be cleared. No, 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 no. And then I I don't even like I think about when you have to like move your car to like drive and then you have to park it. I'm like, there's just gonna be Oh yeah, that's the worst. I remember Mm -hmm. one day I had to shovel my car to leave Uh for work. I had to shovel to park at work. I had to shovel to leave (laughs) from work and then I had to shovel to park when I got home. I was like, I am good. I know I said I wanted winter, but this is extreme. I am good on this. I have winter for the next 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And look, we had better winters after that. So um, thankfully, (laughs) but that was a year there was like six 12 foot storms, like back to back to back. It was horrible. It was really, it was so, but again, I earned my news. (laughs) We, we, you know, we go back to you getting, you getting fired. Don't know what you're going to do. Figure out, oh my God, I can move to New York. Come here. Don't have a place to stay. Literally like till moving in with strangers. That was literally me. Um, And then you're like, wait, an opportunity opens. And then when you, when you're supposed to be moving again, you move in with people, you know, or someone, you know, that's, it's yep. crazy how everything yep. just aligned and yeah, worked out for you. Like I truly believe things happen for a reason. It does. And everything was just God's timing. Like, you know, at that point in my life, I had been trying to figure out what my relationship with God was. And when I got here, I went to St. Church, formerly Christ Tabernacle at that time. Mm-hmm. And it just felt right for me. And it was just kind of a complete new like reset and start over with my own relationship with God. And I just really saw how he kind of looked out for me in every situation, how he opened the doors that needed to be open and closed the ones that I didn't need <laughs> at all, 100%. And has continued to do that. Like, has my journey been perfect? Absolutely not. There's definitely been trials. All of those living situations had their own moments. And I could tell you some funny stories and some not so funny stories about them. But it got me to a place where, one, if I was still in Florida, I would never be career-wise where I am today. I went in a span of three months from a line employee to an assistant director and within three years to a director in the district attorney's office in Queens. And now I work for another county government agency. So, you know, that trajectory would have never happened in Florida. I'd probably be still somebody's like peon therapist working my butt off and slaving. Yeah. You know, not that I wouldn't have had the ambition to do something different, but I 
just the way I saw the environments that I were in, like it really wasn't. And funny enough, my old jobs, one of them called me twice asking me to come back to be a supervisor, which I think that was just like a test of, do you really want this or are you going to cave? Cause I still hadn't found a job yet. Mm. So it would have been easy for me to take that out and been like, well, I'm being offered a supervisor position back in Florida. Why don't I just go back? Yeah. yeah. And they and called me twice during that time period. And I said no both times. My favorite thing about that is that like, it, it's, we, you know, like, you know, God is not going to like tell us, you know, this is what you have to choose. And sometimes like doors open and sometimes they're just not for you. Right. And it's, it's like, you have to take a step back and you're like, what do I feel is right? You know, and sometimes you have to make that decision. And so that's crazy. Like twice, like I would have been like, how much you paying? Yeah. And look, and that's the reality, right? If you really didn't want something, an opportunity like that is going to sway you. Mm-hmm. It's going to say, all right, let me just do that. Let me go back. I, I did it. I tried. I could say I tried and I got this other opportunity. No one's going to fault you for that, Right. You upped and moved. You hadn't found employment yet. And you got this great offer. Sure. Why not go back? But Mm -hmm. for me, I knew I didn't want to be in Florida. I was not happy when I was in Florida. I wasn't the person that I wanted to be when I was in Florida. Yeah. And so when I got here with all the trials, with everything, this is where I wanted to be. Mm. And I hadn't put enough, enough time for me to say, okay, let me give up and go back. Yeah, I wasn't. And I don't even think I really felt that there was a going back. You know, there was never in my mind. I never had a conversation like, okay, well, if in this time frame things don't work out, then I'm going back. I would have had to be destitute and on the street for me to go back. That's Mm -hmm. where I would have had to been. And before that would have happened, I probably would have landed in Maryland because that's the only and the closest relative I have is in maryland <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel i'm not going back i feel that about texas that so i am I y'all have to y'all have to take me screaming and crying because i'm not going yeah when i wasn't sure if i was going to find some, i was ready to ask my cousins to stay with them in maryland and commute to new york i was like how long is the train ride to new york mm-hmm. it was like three hours i was like people do that i could do a three-hour train ride every day <laughs> like and be in the city yeah no problem Girl, <laughs> I knew I wanted out. I look, yeah. I didn't have to, and I say that now. I didn't have to experience it, so but people do. I know, yeah, people who live in you know the tri state and a little bit further out who commute to the mm-hmm. city every day for work, you know. Um, yeah, I think, you know, so um, I think like just sharing this whole journey and the little you know, nuances and just the uh, you know, things that you didn't expect happen, happen. It's it just shows that, you know, a journey always has so many steps and tribulations to it, right? Um, and all these things happen and you still were like, I'm going to do it regardless. I'm going to keep saying yes. I'm going to keep doing whatever I can to stay where, where like my heart feels the happiest. And 10 years later, you're still here. And, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think you're leaving anytime soon. <laughs> like, I don't think so either. You know, if I do, I definitely am not aware of it as of yet. <laughs> no one's told me. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's clued me in. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh-huh. But it's definitely, you know, 
it's been a journey. It continues to be a journey. I am, I'm happy. I'm mm. content. Like, yeah, I am doing what I love. I'm doing what I, what I enjoy. And it's, I just like, it's home. It really is home. Like, I think people are like, would you move anywhere else? And I'm like, I don't, I don't think of anywhere in the States that I would want to move. Like if I were to make another move, like independently, mm -hmm. it would be to Europe. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but in the States, like I don't really, I don't have a desire. It's really going to be God and God ordained whatever next move happens. And mm -hmm. if I leave New York, it, it will be him pulling me somewhere, not of my own volition, at least not as, not as of today, <laughs> not not yeah. as of January 29, 2023. <laughs> it would not be of my own volition. <laughs> yeah. What, you know, as we like wrap up, because I think, you know, you've shared so much goodness here. Um, what is some advice you would give to someone maybe that is is struggling, maybe, you know, fo following their passion because it seems like they're never going to get there or following their heart because they're like, well, so-and-so says I'm never going to be able to do it. Or they just don't have, you know, at, like affirming people in their lives. Like what is a piece of advice that you can give someone in that position? You know, like obviously people have to speak life into your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you have to know what brings you joy. Yeah. If there's something that you sit around and you listen to and the phrase or comment or the thoughts that run through your head is I could do that too. Mm. Or I wish I was doing that. And it's not a place of like, Oh, that's cool and interesting. Maybe I should try it. It's like almost self deprecating. Like, Oh, it hurts your soul that you're not doing it. Yeah. Then do it, mm. do it in any way, do it in any shape, do it in any fashion. Like don't do it because you want accolades, do it because it's truly your happy place. Mm. You know, and that's what has been reaffirmed to me over, especially over this past weekend and the past couple of weeks with everything that all the opportunities that have come my way, like every person's just like, you're a natural up there, Nora. And, you know, I choose to think they're not blowing smoke up my butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm believing that they're telling me the truth. And, and I do, I do believe the people who are telling me this are natural. I'm not seeking out the commentary. The commentary is coming to me and it's, you're natural there. You command the stage. Like you have such a presence. Like if you, if you're getting those kind of comments and even if you're not, if when you're there, that's where you're happiest, Yeah. do it in any way, shape or form. I know where I want to be, but when I got here, I just said, I'm going to do whatever's available to me. And at the point in time, when I first moved here, I just started going to acting classes again. I yeah. went to an actor studio and my extra money, I spent doing that. And I was just going and doing, you know, hosting classes and this class and that class and whatnot. And then I got involved with my church's drama ministry. And then I was yeah. doing plays in the drama ministry. And that's where I was performing. And that's yeah. where I was articulating my art. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, I want to be doing it more. And I do want it to be my bread and butter one day. So now I need to invest in it in a different way. Mm. I was at a point where I was just like, I just need to be doing it just for the sake of doing it. And now I'm like, 
no, this needs to evolve into being my reality, my day in and day out reality. That's what I want. I don't want my nine to five anymore. I 100% don't to the extent that I had a really scary moment and literally told my boss that I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. Like, I don't like, I am unhappy doing this. I don't want to be doing this. And when, if you are in that place, figure it out, Mm. invest in you, Yeah, do whatever you have to do to be in your happy place, be in the place where you're thriving and you're enjoying and you are just like all about it. Just do it. And every little step counts. Will I ever be, you know, uh, uh, you know, doing, I don't know. Will I ever be some million dollar actress? I don't know. And honestly, I don't care. And I said that at the beginning, I'm not looking to be, you know, an Angela Bassett. I'm not looking to be, um, you know, what now I can't think of anybody's name. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not looking to be, if I get there, I will receive it. Yeah. But my desire is just for it to bring me the income where I can live and sustain my life. Mm. And that doesn't look the same for everyone. There's plenty of people in the acting world who aren't making $500,000 movies a year, right? And they're living very good lives. And that's what I want. I just want to be performing. I want to be doing voiceovers. I know exactly what I want. I want to do voiceovers. I would like a national commercial. And (laughs) I'll be happy. I just want to do one Broadway show in my life. Yeah. The rest of it could be off-Broadway shows. And I'm good. That's it. Those, you know those are the those are the markers for me and anything else that comes in between or greater than that that's a blessing but that's what I want yeah and you know I mean you could do it I think the just going back you said invest in yourself I think that is so important and any area of your life you're in and especially like where I'm at in life as well like 25 I'm like this is a milestone like where do I go from here and I think I found myself doing little things, making little changes to invest in myself, you know, even this podcast, investing in, you know, a gift that I think I have, but you know, I I would never know unless I did it. Right. And I think that is super important to invest in the things that bring you joy that you have passion in because, you know, 10 years from now, I'm still talking about wanting to do something that I never, I never, you know, uh, followed or, or tried to, tried to, um, tried to do, then I lost 10 years, 10 years of where I could have been maybe trying and, 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 you know, putting in the discipline. And so I look, and if you haven't started and it doesn't matter how old you are, just do it. If that's, what's going to bring you joy, just do it. You never know what comes about. People became millionaires in their fifties. Okay. Like people started their first businesses in their fifties. If that's what you want, I had a lady and when I was an undergrad, she got her bachelor's degree at 99 years old. Oh my god. Just gosh. do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I graduated with a lady <laughs> at 99, got her bachelor's degree. Oh, wow. Life yeah, all takes it. us on different journeys. Mm-hmm. And there's this unspoken, like, okay, you have to do these things in this timeline and this is the way it needs to look. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Live your life, focus on your lane. That's the other thing I would say. Stop comparing yourself. Social media is a killer for this. And if you got to disconnect, then disconnect from it. 
or change of the algorithm in your feed by clicking on some other crap <laughs> that is not related to the thing that you want to do because comparing yourself to others and where they're at is going to stifle you. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about mm -hmm. other people's progress. You are where you're supposed to be and you will get where you need to get. If mm -hmm. it's not motivating you, it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. If it puts you in a place of self-deprecation and judgment and yeah. woe is me, then turn it off. Yeah, that's good. It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, this is all really good advice. Um, I hope this helps whoever, you know, is meant to hear this. Um, it's not too late. You know, follow, follow your dreams, follow your heart, really, because then in a day, we all want to be living a life where we're happy. You only have one life, one journey, you know, and it's your own, you know, yeah. make it your yeah. own. Like, you know, don't, don't feed into the culture that says that you have to do this in five years. You, If you're 30 and you haven't done this, you will never do it. Like, no, like your life is your yeah. own. Your journey is your own. So yeah, um, yeah live to it. Um, thank you, Nora, for coming, bringing your story and just bringing so much um, positivity and just these affirmations that, you know, I probably needed and anyone else that's listening has needed. Um, super you grateful. Are to have you, you on thank you thank you for having me i'm honored yes. to have been a one of the people you've chosen to have a voice on this and you know I, i've loved everyone's story that i've listened to thus far and i'm happy that i could share mine and i really hope that you know it's motivating and encouraging and helps someone to say you know what i'm gonna focus on what i want and i'm gonna yeah. do that thing that i've been putting off or ignoring or just mm. saying is a hobby and i really don't want it to be a hobby <laughs> yeah yeah and um, sometimes we need that wake-up call and um, but thank you so much um i you know i hope this speaks to whoever it needs to um this is a girl with something to say and my name is kenny mendebar i will see y'all next time have a good day to whoever's listening um goodbye Thank you.